third chapter of the book of Hebrews, and it's just a thought or two. And, uh, oh, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for his goodness. Hallelujah. I have been working in Christian work for about, well, you know how long. And uh, there was only one thing I hated desperately about the church, and that was board meetings. Because I never went to a board meeting where somebody wasn't taken out in a stretcher. They can, uh, and usually it's the pastor, <laughs> but, uh, and sometimes it's other people too. But we had a leadership meeting yesterday, and I have to tell the church that I thank God for those that stand uh, with me and help me in the work of the Lord. I left that meeting yesterday rejoicing. Uh, I was on such a high, those nice highs, right? It was 12 o'clock at night, and I was still wandering around my house like a crazy lady. And we had gotten up extremely early, and we had gotten to bed extremely late the night before, about 3 o'clock, New Year's Eve. But I want to tell you that uh, if this were a State of the Union message, the union is in good state. And I thank God for the leadership. And I think 1994 is going to hold a lot of surprises for all of us in terms of uh, things that will be happening. One of the things that was struck up is that we now have a, what's the name of the committee? We have a seekers committee. Building seekers. People that are going to go out and look for a bigger place by hook or by crook, and they're going to do it, okay? So I, I don't have to do it. They'll do it, and I'll just pray, and God is going to work in that tremendous com uh, combination. Some very nice things will happen. Hebrews 3, okay? There are a few words here that are important to us now. Therefore, holy brethren, that's you folks. Did you hear me? All of you sitting out there, whether you like it or not, whether you consider the title yours or not, you are the holy brethren, okay? Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builders of the house has more honor than the house. Amen. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Whoa. Mm -hmm. All right. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. And then it goes on and it says, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house whose house we are. We're the house of Jesus. The New Testament calls us the body of Christ. We're the house of Jesus. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence 
and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Uh, you want a title? The title is this, Confident Till the End. Confident Till the End. And that's our, that's our, that's our message. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the days of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day by day, as long as, as, long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Hallelujah. And this is, this is the thought. How can we? How can we? How can we get this confidence? How can it be ours to stay? How can it be ours? Well, you've got to think about it. The scripture says, and I love the way it says it in the very first word, Therefore, brethren, partakers of the holy uh, calling, consider Jesus. Now, give me another version, please, that first verse. Go ahead. First verse, three. Three. Three, one. Therefore, let us leave the elements. You better be sorry. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. There it is. What's the word? Fix. Fix. We don't like the word, but we got to use it. Fix. And we know what fixations are, too. Okay? When, when, when we're just, uh, in other words, when our mind and our body lean toward only one thought, and we say, well, he's got a fixation, or she's got a fixation. But the Bible, the Word of God says, fix your thoughts on who? Jesus. On Jesus. There it is. There it is. There's the whole secret. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. This doesn't just happen, folks. It's got to be exercised. You know, when a person is going to be a doctor, they do not go, they do not go anyplace, uh, and let me share that with you. When, when they're going to be a doctor, they do not go to... Uh, to art school. Uh, they do not take a, a, a place in Soho. Uh, they do not buy paint materials and, 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 and go, you know, and, and make their sur surrealistic uh, uh, paintings. And then when you walk in, uh, there's a mess on the wall. They call it painting. And you say to the person, well, uh, what is it? Uh, what do you mean by this? And the person says, you know, no, 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 this, uh, this is nothing. This is nothing. What I really want to be is a doctor. <laughs> what will your conclusion be about that person? Loco? Loco? Yeah, okay, something wrong. You know, uh, somebody wants to be involved in culinary art, so he gets a job with sabrettes. 
Ah, uh, you'll never change in sabrettes. You'll have the three little dishes, you know, with the onions and the sauerkraut and the two with the frankfurters. That is not culinary art. Okay, so, so watch out, folks. Watch out. It's, it's important, uh, very important. You know, you see somebody dragging all their rags up Fifth Avenue and looking like a... And you say, well, who are you? Uh, I'm a fashion designer. Well, listen, you know the, you know the difference in real rags and, no, and, and non-real rags. You know, because I see a lot of very expensive stuff that's, that, that looks like rags to me. <laughs> but if Cheryl were able to piece it together, she would say, no, that's good stuff, okay? She knows the difference. What am I trying to say? We call ourselves Christians, yet we're out doing everything else. We're into everything else. I, I, I laugh. Somebody says to me, you know, I, I'm enjoying Channel 9. I says, what are you enjoying Channel 9 for? She says, oh, well, they, they've got all, that, that's the, the psychics channel. I says, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, there's a girl on there that's won three times. And there's another one that, got, uh, uh, you know me, I, I'm ready to put one of those, uh, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do to Channel 9. I'm not going to do anything to Channel 9. I'm just going to pray for them. Because I got news for you. Anything that comes against God, it's just a matter of time. Amen. The Beatles in their pride say we're more famous than Jesus. A year later, they're out. And they were never able to put themselves together. They were like Humpty Dumpty. Never able to do it. And there's just so many people. You know, because, you know, God laughs at our stupidity. And he does. I mean, I, th I think God has a tremendous sense of humor. He's got to have it to watch us go through our throes. You know what I mean? We are, we're not, we will, we won't. We have, we don't have. You know, one day we're on, one day we're off. I mean, you know, it, uh, our temperatures are ridiculous. Uh, some people are fired up and others are so cold you couldn't even get an ice uh, hole in there to fish. I mean, it's, it's difficult. But God is so gracious. Isn't he gracious? I love him. I love him. But what does the scripture say? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Your thoughts. It doesn't say eyes. It says thoughts. Yes. Fix your thoughts. Because it's not your eyes. Have you ever looked at something and not seen it? Mm -hmm. I pass a million people by. And they say, you know, the other day I was really going to get on you. I said, why? You walked right past me and you never saw me. I said, well, if I walked past you and I didn't say hello to you, it's because I didn't see you. But how can you look at me and not see me? Oh, very easily. <laughs> I've got that gift. The only thing I see is the red light and the green light, you know. Walk and don't walk. But other than that, I, I really don't. Sometimes people are honking me and I'm so angry. I'm, so, I'm ready to go, you sure? And, I, and there is somebody from church. <laughs> They'd hardly know who we are with that license plate, right? Amy Joe? Oh my God. People stop on the highway. That's so funny. People stop on the highway and look into our car and they say, and I say, I say what, what on earth are they saying? Finally, it hits me. I said, yeah, Amy, Joe. Let me go on. Because we, we, we can Folks, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on him. You know when I, oh, I just got one of those beautiful chills that I used to tell my children. That's the Lord. <laughs> uh, you've got to fix your thoughts on the master. Do you understand what I mean? You've got to just decide, hey, 
Because if you don't, every time you come to a crisis and you have to trust the building up of energies, they won't be there. They won't be there. They won't be there. When you're being seduced by a lovely woman and all her curves are wiggling and waggling and her eyes are set on you and you have already melted. This is not the time to say, oh, precious Jesus. Oh, precious Jesus. See me through, Lord. That is not the time. That's right. That's right, you ran out of gas a long time ago. And you will never be moving from that spot. That's why the scripture says, fix your thoughts. So when the first fling goes by, you grab it. But then the Lord just, shoo, those arrows of the word come piercing through you. And you know, you know how important it is to love him. You see, folks, if we don't get into a position that we love him, we will never be true to him because what makes you true is real love. And even in the human sense, it's love in terms of God first and those that you're faithful to underneath that. But God first, because God is the one that controls our conduct through the power of character. And character comes through the trials and tribulations that you go through. And you're made beautiful. You're made strong. Did you, re you realize it? I don't, are you, gonna, you can all say, oh, yeah. Don't you realize now when certain things hit you that used to hit you like 10 years ago, now they don't even phase you? Yeah? Yeah. That's the way it is. It doesn't, and it's not, it's not that it's, it's less wrong now. No, it's that you're stronger now. You're stronger. And this is what God waits on us. God waits for our growth. The brethren don't wait for your growth. Find out you've sinned. We'll cut you in little pieces. But God waits on your growth. Oh, and I love him for that. I love him for that. God waits on your growth. And we're going to take care of that and fix our eyes on Jesus. And then the scripture there says, why? Because he's the apostle. And what else is he? He's your high priest. What else is he? In other words, he's the one we confess to. He's the one we love. He's the one that hears us. He's the one that listens to us. Oh, folks, I want you, I want you to be busy. I want you to be a little telegraph station. I want you to be an SOS station. I want you to be a special station, a special spiritual station where from your gut right here about the umbilical cord in where this is continuously in movement to the glory and the grace of God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You know, nobody's seeing the lips move. Nobody knows exactly what's happening. You're crying out to God. And it's so beautiful. Sometimes I see people come in the bus when I take it. And sometimes I see people around and they're so helpless. I can't go up and hug them. I'd probably, they'd probably give me an, an umbrella on my head. But in my heart, I just, I just start to pray. 
I just start to pray. And somehow when we get to heaven, you know what we're going to see? We're going to see every prayer that God answered for us. And we're going to see people that we just whispered prayers over them. Whispered prayers over them. And you ever see a funeral? There's about 31 cars. I always pray for the funerals. I pray for the, especially the first three cars, which is usually a family in heavy grief. Lord, console them. Holy Spirit, be there. Yes. When we get to heaven, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit ministered and through our prayers, how angels were sent uh, and how those people were embraced and loved. Uh, and, then, and then later on, they'll say, I don't know how we went through it. Well, God will tell them, you went through it by his grace and by his love and by his mercy and by who he is. Hallelujah. Now, that's the first thing. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Why? Because he's our living example. Jesus is our living example. Verse 2, uh, for he was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was over his house. You will always find the contrast, the human contrast in the divine call. When God calls a man to pastor, when God calls a man uh, to whatever ministry, whatever ministry it is, uh, you will find that ministry in the Bible and you will see the glorious contrast. Uh, in this second verse, he was faithful. In other words, Jesus is our living example of faithfulness. He was faithful to an eternal plan. All we have to do is be faithful with, with, what, with what we have, with what we are. Jesus was faithful to a universal plan, which included thousands upon thousands of years. Mm. Glory to God in the highest. And he was faithful with the human capacity of failure. I want you to know that when the babe was born, and when the child grew up, and when the man-child Walked the streets. He walked with your capacity of flesh and of humanity. You know, we, we can't fathom that. We can't understand that. But I've got to tell you something. In that, he was made perfect. Why? Because if it was God go, going through that whole situation, we would say, well, it's, it, it's nothing to me. Because I'm not God. He was God, so he could. Uh, be victorious over everything. No, 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 no. As a human being, as a human being, he had exactly what every human being had on the face of the earth that day. What was that? The law and the prophets. What do we have as human being? The word of God. Okay? And if you stick to this word, you'll be as ever faithful as Jesus was. And that's why we got to fix our eyes on him. I tell the Lord, I want to be like you. And then when the moment comes, the most, the most beautiful moment to be like him, I goof, I fail. I'm like Amy. And it turns out horrible. But I go back to plan one. Okay, Lord, over again. I want to be like you. Every, every morning, every morning, do it. Do it. Do it. We do fail. We do fail. But get back on it again. Now encourage one another, and this is, this is what I love most. Verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. 
there will always be tendencies for somebody to come and tell you something nasty about somebody else. Now, let me share something about that. You may feel exactly as that person feels, that that person is nasty. Now, you've got to be careful at that moment, because you're both feeling the same way. And if you shared it with me, I'd probably think he was nasty too. So you've got three of us, and we're all in trouble. Now the scripture says, encourage one another. Share, talk. But what? What do we share? What do we talk? What, what is it? Encourage one another in the things of God, folks. In how we're walking with him. What's happening in our lives with him. You know, there are people that bring you to a brink. There are people that try your patience. You know who they are. They're on the job. They're out to get you. And it may be, hey, the green-eyed monster. Jealousy. When you find a good worker, when you find someone the boss is proud of, when you find somebody that, that is expediting, when you find that person that can leave that nice empty desk at the end of the day and yours is cluttered and you haven't done half the work you should have done and, you, and, you, and you've, you, you're just all a nervous mess and you pass by that desk, you, you want to spit on it. <laughs> Throw papers on it, you know, papers, oodles of papers. So when people walk by, what a mess. No, this is the human tendency. Know it. Know it. I took a magazine in my hand the other day. It's from one of our prosperity preachers. And I took it in my hand and I said, I'm going to find this man's fault. And I took it to the throne room. <laughs> and I sat to read, read four pages. It was the most beautiful article I have ever read. And I did not read it to find it beautiful. I read it to find faults. I read it to find where they twist scripture and make it sound so good for prosperity. It wasn't there. It was a glorious, glorious, glorious article. This is the way I left the room. Why? Because I spent 25 minutes looking for something that I didn't find. And instead of coming out uh, happy that I didn't, I thought to myself, well, you got away with this one, but I'll catch the others. That's negative. That's negative. Because even if I do feel like I'm a defender of truth, even if it's for my own soul, let me tell you something, folks. We are such a sad mixture of truth and error. We are such a sad mixture of right and wrong. We are such a sad mixture of holiness and unholy. And we have to start looking at everything with the eyes of Jesus. And how does Jesus see it? He sees our stages. He sees our growth. He sees our maturity. He knows just where we're at. And so he doesn't condemn us 
for what we would condemn ourselves for. You know what he does? He gives us time to grow. Oh, I love him. Oh, I love him so. So the scripture tells us, encourage one another. Share. Try. Try talking about the Lord when you get together. Instead of talking about people, try. Just try. Just try. You'd be surprised how much the brethren have to give. You'd be surprised how much you have to give. And even when you talk common talk. What is common talk? Well, everything about life. I'm not one that walks into a house and say, Jesus Christ is Lord, hallelujah, praise his holy name. I mean, they wouldn't invite me again. You know, they don't, they don't need the proclaimer. They need the friend that's anointed. And that in due time and in the right season, God will make us a blessing to them. I, I'll give you the guarantee that if you people were sheer fanatics, you'd be thrown out of your jobs. So don't ever get a guilt trip that you don't talk enough about the Lord on the job. You don't have to talk enough about the Lord on the job. What you have to do is do your job. Do your job. That's all you have to do. Your faithfulness, your stewardshipness, your stewardship, your, your ability to accomplish uh, what you're getting paid to do, that in itself is the greatest testimony in the world. We've had people come to Crossroads and say to us, listen, we've got two people working from your church in our place. We'd like to get two more. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? It means whoever is working there, they found them trustworthy. They found them alive. They found them well. They found them that, that, that they are pleasant and a pleasure to be with. And plus the fact that they can execute a job. I love that. I love that. So we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're looking to him as the living example. We're encouraging one another. Rejoice together. Admonish one another. You'd be surprised sometimes what you're going through is what somebody else is going through. And it's so important, very important, that you share with one another. And God's able to help us. Uh, you can be a part of yet, you can be a part of a church and yet not make it to the promised land. Uh, I, I don't want to be facetious, and I, I'm not, this is not a joke. I think they will be able to ably start up a whole lot of churches in hell once certain people get there because they, 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 don't, they don't need much. They never needed the Lord. They've got their own organization. So when they get there, they'll probably start up their whole uh, frenzy. Now, naturally, I'm, uh, this, is, this is a joke, but what I'm trying to tell you is that, that that's, how, that's how fixed people are. On, 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 on just not loving the Lord, on not serving the Lord, okay? Now, when our hearts go astray, how can you tell your heart goes astray? I'm going to tell you. There are two factors. One, your lack of love for Jesus. I said something the other day, and somebody got terribly offended. And I'm glad you got offended because that gives me a chance to rethink what I've said and to 
and to, and, and to, in other words, check myself out and then go back and share with you whatever the offense was. I, I said people that have a difficulty with tithing is because they don't love the Lord. Well, you know I was almost killed, don't you? I was barreled down. First the train went over me, and then the planes went over me, and I think a few submarines came out of the ocean and went over me. I, I really mean that, uh, because people get very offended, because they, they want to defend the fact that they love the Lord, but there are just some things that are difficult. I can understand that, but I want you to understand the factor of love. Do you know that love makes you crazy? How many know that? Oh, so many people forgot. All my married couples, nobody put up their hands. All the single ones put up their hands, the married ones. Okay, all right, all right. Love makes you crazy, but it's a beautiful craziness. It's a beautiful craziness because if it's tender, if it's real, okay, if it's tender and if it's real, the first thing that's involved in love is a caring spirit. You want to care for that person. The next thing involved is a protection spirit. You want to protect them. And that makes you a tiger. That makes you a, hey, that makes you a snake. You know, you, you, you are a viper. Don't anybody touch the person I love. Those are the human qualities. And they are quite negative, but they're, my God. When you love God, you'll do anything for him. Anything for him. And the price, the price is high. But the joy of exercising that surrender brings such a freedom. And it brings such an ability to do everything you have to do within the scope of your life. That's why I would like to spend most of my life just telling Jesus I love him and would he help me to love him more? Because in my love for Jesus, I can handle everything. Absolutely everything. It's, it's not what my brother did to me. It's not what my sister did to me. It's not what my wife did to me. It's not what my, no, 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 it's not, it's not that. It's how much do I love him. That makes all the difference in the world. Now the scripture says that when your heart goes astray, the first thing you don't care about is being holy. When your heart starts to get cold, then you start to take the center ring. You've moved Jesus out to the peripheral and you have taken center stage again. You're running your ship. And because you have to run your ship in a worldly world, and because you have to run your ship in a worldly job, and because you have to run your ship in so much that has to do with earth, there comes a moment when your heart goes astray. Oh, you look over every now and then. Yeah, he's, he's on the edge. He's still with me. And isn't it precious that he says, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And he never will. But as far as his acting for you, as far as his power for you, as far as his gifts for you, as far as what he wants to do through you 
and the vessel he would like to pour into. He can't. The distance is too far away. You got to give him center stage. And that's our thought for today. Let's have a great new beginning in 94 with Jesus center stage and we're standing next to him. And as time goes by, he gets bigger and you get smaller. And there may be a moment where you kind of disappear and he is there in his fullness. And it's going to be okay because it's the day you're looking your best. And we thank the Lord for that. Confidence to the end. How? Fixing your thoughts on Jesus. Looking to his example. Don't look to mine. Don't look to my example. I will try to be a good example, but there are going to be moments and there are going to be times that I'm going to fail you so horribly. So horribly. And then you'll be able to say, if it weren't for Jesus, I wouldn't be in crossroads. And I will say amen. Because that's the only reason you should be here for. Amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. For Jesus. Because he is the one we fix our eyes on. He is the one that is in charge. And once we have fixed our eyes on him, once he becomes the living example that we'll follow, we'll follow. He did it in the flesh. We can do it in the flesh. We can do it in the flesh. The only thing is, we will have his strength if we have our word in us. His word in us. He knew the word. And that's what gave him the strength. And then we go on and we thank the Lord for that. Not only do we fix our eyes upon him, not only is he our living example, then we go on to encourage one another. If the only thing you have to tell your brethren is how to better live, or what he's doing wrong, or there are things he has to yet learn, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me carefully. You haven't said anything to him. Keep your advice to yourself. You say, sister, but I just want to help him. Don't help him. Don't help her. If you pray, God will help her. God will help him. Because our way of helping is always because we know more. No, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Pray. I'm pastor of the church. And there are so many times that I see attitudes and I see, mm, and my temptation is to say, you see what you just did? That is so wrong. But I don't do it. Oh, but you're the pastor. You should. No, no, not even the pastor should. You know who should? The Holy Ghost. And if I as pastor pray to the Holy Ghost, he'll let them know. And I've had people come back to say to me, God said this and this and this and this to me. I was going to say the same thing to them. Do you understand what I mean? But it wasn't my time. It wasn't my time. There is a greater teacher in the church of God. And that's the Holy Spirit who's in charge of putting us together. Making us cohesive for his glory and for his honor. 